Good morning, everybody. It's good to be back and, and speak to you guys again. Um, when Lowell reached out to ask if I would speak, I'll, I'll be honest, I was quite silent in the conversation. Um, you know how we get so busy and, and so many things going on, and you know the last thing we want to do is have to prepare something extra. So um, anyway, I reluctantly agreed, and I told him, I said, you just need to pray because I'm dry. Like, I don't have anything, you know, and I just don't know what I'm even going to talk about. And so anyway, as I began to pray about what to share and what to prepare, um, I just felt one word kept coming to my mind, and it was just rest. Just rest. You know, because we get so busy and so bombarded with work and family and social life and, you know, the infiltration of bad news that comes through the media and and on social media that oftentimes we lose sight of of what the Holy Spirit is is trying to tell us. So um, I just started thinking about rest and started thinking about what it means to really rest. And, And I started thinking about kids, you know, how they're supposed to take naps during the day and they fight it, they cry, they'll throw tantrums and run away from the pallet and or run away from the bed or whatever and as adults we're begging for naps you know I I love an afternoon nap and 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 I'll be quite honest with you I've been working from home for the past year because of COVID and um, I'm dreading going back to to work because I won't be able to curl up and take a good nap in the afternoon so um, but anyway I was thinking of kids how they hate naps and and um, a lot of times we're guilty as adults of, and, and as kids and teens, but of FOMO, fear of missing out. We don't want to miss anything. We don't want to take a nap because we're afraid of what's going to happen while we're asleep. And so it, it's not natural for us to rest, it, to want to rest. It's, it's natural for us to want to be in the middle of everything so that we don't miss out on anything. So I was thinking about Psalms 23 one through three, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters, and he refreshes my soul. But what I kept going back to was, he makes me lie down. You know, it doesn't say I get to lie down in green pastures, or I'm looking forward to lying down in green pastures. It says, he makes me lie down. And so just like we, as adults, when we're watching after kids, we tell them it's nap time, you have to lay down, you have to get a rest, you have to get some sleep. He's telling us that. You have to rest. You must rest. And I was thinking about, you know, that and, um, you know, sleep studies have been done where people are woken up in the sleep study just as they're falling asleep to see how long one can function, you know, without sleep. And literally, it drives people crazy. If they don't get sleep and I was thinking about you know when I used to live overseas and I would travel over to when I lived in Asia or when I lived in the Middle East and you know the big flight is over the Pacific and it's like 12 or 13 hours you know and when we think of 12 or 13 hours it's like okay you can sit down and you can maybe nap or whatever for that 12 or 13 hours but that's not counting when you fly out of Shreveport and then you fly to Dallas, and then you fly to L.A., and then you fly to, you know, to 
um, Japan, and then I would fly on to Korea from there. So literally, it's, it's about 36 hours by the time you count in-air flight time, in the airport, moving from one gate to another, and then the layover that you have. It's, it's not a good rest. And I remember one time partic in particular, I was flying back to Korea, and I did not sleep at all. I don't know why I was so restless, but I didn't sleep at all on that long 12-hour flight to Japan. And then I was misled when I purchased my ticket thinking I was flying straight to Seoul from L.A. So I was really disappointed whenever they said we're landing, you know, in Japan. So I had to get off the plane and wait a couple hours and then get back on a plane to fly one hour into Seoul. And I fell asleep on the flight from Japan to Seoul. And I slept so hard and so fast that whenever the flight attendant woke me up to tell me we were landing, I felt sick at my stomach. And that's what that lack of rest does. It can make us physically ill, you know, and let alone, you know, make our brain not function, you know, like it should. So um, I wanted to read an excerpt from the book, The Daily Guidepost. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a year-long devotional that my mom and my grandmother used to give all of us when we were growing up. And this one was written in 2013 by Norman Vincent Peale. And I felt like it was quite appropriate for, for what we're talking about today. It says, I'm so tired. How many times in the last week have you said or thought those very words? The burdens and responsibilities of life sometimes rest heavily upon us and our strength seems insufficient. Too many demands make us weary and tired, and it's not good to be tired unless fatigue is balanced by a normal renewal of strength. Did you ever stop to consider where you get your energy? It comes from God. I will strengthen the weak, Ezekiel 34:16. When your energy runs down and you feel weak and tired, you can go back to him, and he who created your energy can recreate it. Remember those words from John 1, 4, in him was life. He will give life to you if you ask him and live according to his will. You can overcome weakness and abnormal tiredness will no longer be a problem. Nothing makes you more tired than carrying around a bunch of stuff you don't need. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with a perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12:1. One way to overcome tiredness is to lay aside the heavy weights that sap your strength, weights such as fear, hate, anger, impatience, and all types of sin. In fact, sin is the heaviest of all weights, and it must be laid aside if we're to run the race of life and win. Move forward with determination, keeping Jesus in mind. He will sustain you always. How can you find rest and renewal in the midst of your hectic life? Simply become very aware of God's presence realizing that he will help you with your responsibilities. Come to me, you who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Matthew 11:28 through 29. God will show you how to work with conserv conservation of energy, how to work in a relaxed manner and feel rested rather than tired. Next time you're feeling tired or struggling with your workload or your worries, say this verse aloud several times. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
Exodus 33:14. I will give you rest. The very words every tired soul longs to hear. Um, there are three parts of us that need rest. We have a mind, we have a body, and we have a spirit. So we all know how to rest the body. It's just get some sleep and, you know, take a nap or take the afternoon off or just sit alone and be quiet. You know, that'll rest our body. But it's a little more complex when we think about resting the, the mind and the spirit. So what I like to encourage myself to do to rest my mind is to turn off social media, turn off the news, just sometimes just sit outside on the patio and drink some tea or coffee and just be alone from all of the noise that the world thrusts on us. You know, and that's easier said than done because so many times we have responsibilities or you may have kids that are, you know, constantly needing attention or needing assistance with something. But um, if you can, just take some time to be quiet just for a few minutes. Um, how to rest the spirit. So there's four ways we, need, we, we can look at to see if we need to rest our spirit or if our spirit needs rest. And the first one is if we don't have time for God. So whenever we don't have time for God, if we're too busy to even include him in the conversation, that is a telltale sign that our spirit needs rest because we were created to commune with him throughout the day, every day. You know, the Bible says for us to pray without ceasing, and that doesn't mean go around praying all day. But to me, prayer is more like a conversation where I can just gently speak to him and he can speak to me. And, you know, I... I took a trip with my mom this week to Alexandria and we were when we were in the car we would talk some and then we would be quiet some and then we would you know listen to the music and sing along sing along and and then we would talk some more but the point is is we didn't converse the entire time and that's how it should be with the holy spirit you know he's with us all the time so as we go throughout the day if we just converse with him he'll converse back with us we need to just we need to make sure that we're making time for him and including him in our lives so we can seek rest in him for our spirit in jeremiah 31 25 it says i will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint in doing so our spirit is fed our spirit is renewed the next way to know that we need to um, give our spirit rest is when we have no energy we have no energy for people and we just feel empty we were created to have communion with God, but also with people. We are social beings. We need each other. That's why I think this pandemic situation has been so devastating for so many because we haven't been able to socialize like we normally would. Even, you know, trips to the supermarket or going to concerts or movies or, you know, events like that that just keep us socially energized. So when we have no energy for people, we do feel empty. Um, one of the things I can always tell when I um, am running on empty is if people aggravate me a little bit more than usual. Um, sometimes, you know, riding in the car, if somebody cuts me off and then they give me a one-finger salute and I haven't done anything, you know, it's very tempting to retaliate or, you know, follow them a little bit more closely than I normally would. I remember one time when I lived in Phoenix, and this guy did that very thing. And so 
I pressed on the accelerator a little bit harder and I was, you know, going to follow him and get up beside him and let him know that I wasn't going to be intimidated by him. And mind you, I was driving a Fiat and my body is not overly intimidating anyway. So I kind of thought, well, what would I do if he did pull over? So I'd probably have just kept on going in my little, in my little Fiat. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, is, I know I was on empty. Looking back, I know that my, my spirit was weary and it was depleted of energy. So the, the Bible in Isaiah 40, um, verse 30 through 31 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. So we need to, we need to just trust him. We need to spend that time with him when we feel empty like we don't have anything else to give the next one is constantly filled with worry or anxiety and that's the mind won't stop racing i know so many times at night is when my mind gets revved up when i'm laying in bed and those few moments before i'm trying to go to sleep i'll start thinking of oh i need to make sure i don't forget to do this tomorrow or oh i think i forgot to do this today or i need to make sure that i call this person or set up this appointment or send this email or, you know, send this text or, or whatever. And it, before I know it, an hour or so has gone by and I'm, I'm restless and I'm laying there staring at the ceiling, you know, when my body and my mind and my spirit should be resting. So in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, what I started doing when that happened is I've started just saying, thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Let peace reign in my home. Let peace reign in my mind. Let peace reign in my spirit. And I've found Every single time, 100% of the time, my heart rate slows, my anxiety begins to wither away, and I feel rest, like I can rest. I feel at peace, you know, and we talk about that peace that transcends all understanding. And to me, that means when everything is chaotic, when everything is going nuts, and it would make sense to be in a panic mode, that we have this peace, that we just understand it's all good. It may not look all good, but it's all good. Do, does that make sense, what I'm saying? You know, and that is the Holy Spirit. So I, I just encourage you, the next time you're laying in bed and you feel that weight of anxiety, those waves of anxiety just rolling over you, just speak peace. Just speak peace over your home. Speak peace in your life. Or if it's a particular situation that you're dealing with, just speak peace in that situation. You know, there's so much power in speaking something out. You know, it gives it life. It lets the enemy know you're taking it seriously, you know? He can't read your mind. The enemy cannot read your mind. He can plant thoughts in your mind, but he doesn't know what you're thinking. 
So as long as we speak it out, the enemy knows, okay, they're, they're taking this seriously. And he doesn't have any power over that. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. Whatever's happening in the news, whatever's happening around the world, God is greater and he put his Holy Spirit in you. So we don't have to worry about all of those things we see on the news or hear on Facebook or hear through gossip because God is greater and he gives us that peace that passes all understanding. I remember whenever my dad was sick and, you know, we were all, all of us were kind of just in a dither about what do we need to do about this? What do we need to do about that? And how are we going to take care of this? And what do we do about doing this? And, you know, I just remember telling my mom, I said, with all of this going on, I, I just have this underlying peace. You know, and it doesn't make sense. But I know it's the Holy Spirit. You know, and we still deal with things today. Like I said the other night, my mind was just going a million miles a minute. You know, and so I got out of bed and I went in my office and I was just doing some work. And then finally, I just started saying, I just speak peace over this situation. I'm not going to be ruled by chaos. Chaos, you have no right to come into this situation. I speak peace over this situation. And it didn't happen instantly. But about 3 o'clock that morning, I was able to go to bed and get some sleep. So it was worth it, though, right, rather than staying in there. Because I actually, in, in my mind, I envisioned myself staying there until the sun came up, just working and, you know, going to catch a couple of cat naps the next day. But the Holy Spirit gave me peace enough that I could go back to bed and get some sleep. The fourth thing that we, we can see whenever we're needing to um, get some spiritual rest is we have difficulty sharing God's love. And we erupt at people easily. You know, you ever have those days where one person says one thing, well, that's it. End of story. You know, I, I have a friend and we play tennis together and um, he's one of the most passive people I've ever met in my life. It takes a lot for him to stand up for himself or defend himself. And this week he said, you know, they were playing tennis and they were, the two courts were side by side. And his, um, the court, he's on court one and the other person was on court two. And court two's ball rolled over on, onto his court on court one. And so he picked it up and he looked to see, are they in the middle of a point? Are they, you know, because it's tennis etiquette. And, um... One of the guys on the court motioned for him to throw it and held his hand up, so he threw it. Well, his partner didn't see that and yelled at my friend and said, don't you ever throw a ball on a court when the play is active, and how dare you, and you need to pay attention, and, you know, just kind of really went off on, on my friend. And, and my friend, rather than saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he said, first of all, you weren't in an active point. Second of all, he told me to throw me the ball. And third of all, don't ever speak to me like that again. You know? And so part of me, I was so proud of him for standing up for himself, you know? And so the other part of me was just like, 
let it roll off. Don't let it interfere with your game. You know what I mean? And so when I was looking at this, I was like, perhaps they were both on empty. You know, the first guy certainly was an excuse for yelling at my friend. And my friend kind of retaliated back in a, in a way that could have led to a more serious situation. You know what I mean? Should we ever let people walk all over us? No, I'm not saying that. But we need to always exude the love of Jesus, right? He did. When they were beating him and hitting him in the head and pulling his beard out, they kept screaming at him, say something, just say something. And he never did. He never did because his love for them was bigger than the stick they were hitting him with. You know what I mean? I can't imagine it. If I was him, I would have gotten up and said, y'all are going to hell. You know? <laughs> but I'm so thankful for his love that he had for us, that he did endure that for us. You know, I'm so thankful that he gives us that same love to love other people. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. You know, the Bible says that God's mercies are fresh and new every morning. So even if we blow it today, we can start over tomorrow. That's just how faithful he is. And I love that. I love that no matter how badly I screw up, He's there with open arms saying, it's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. You're learning from today. We'll use that lesson tomorrow. You know, and that just comes from rest. You know, um, so many times when we're having conversations with friends or family, we talk about these things that upset us. And rather than that time to vent, to get it out, to feel better, so many times we add fuel to that fire and it makes us angrier or it makes us more upset. So I really think what, what we need to do, what I need to do, is to invite Jesus into the conversation more. You know, rather than talk about how this person wronged us, I should be saying, you know, but I'm just so thankful God didn't allow me to, or that God helped me not to retaliate, or that, you know, God gave me grace to deal with it, or God healed me from that hurt. Does that make sense? If, if we invite Jesus into that conversation, the tone totally changes instantly. Um, you know, my mom and I, one of the things we talked about was when she was growing up, when they would leave church, they never really talked about God or things that God was doing in their life, they, or even the sermon that was just preached that Sunday, they only would talk about God during Sunday school and then listen to the sermon, and then it was over. You know, we weren't raised that way. You know, and, and that's, again, my mom learning from that, my mom and my dad learning from that, that, you know, we are the church. This place is just a building, but we need to minister to each other throughout the week. You know, let's, let's bring Jesus into the conversation. Because I promise you, when we do, the tone will change. 
You know, it'll be more edifying. We'll be more uplifted rather than feeling that sting of hurt or that anger that we have from that person that upset us. There was a song that we used to sing um, when we went to church in, in Baton Rouge, and it was just a simple little chorus, and it was called Breathe on Us, and the words were Breathe on Us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to breathe on us new life. And it was just that simple two or three line little chorus. And so many times now when I'm going through things or I'm upset or I'm anxious, I'll sing that little chorus to myself. And you may have one that's your favorite, but I promise that repetition of singing it will help refill your spirit. You know, so many times we... We sing songs, and, and I've heard people sing, you know, that song, Good, Good Father. And I remember one time, this church I was going to in Phoenix, the lady said, well, we sang Good, Good Father this morning and repeated it about 127 times, you know, because it has a lot of repetition, you know. And, and I thought about that, and I was thinking, you know, we repeat things because the more we say them, the more they become true. So whenever you feel like you can't deal with something or, or you don't want to deal with it, like that um, guidepost thing said, read a scripture that you like or sing a song that you like and repeat it. Because the more you repeat it, the more it will become alive to you. You've seen, I'm sure you've seen um, jokes about, you know, psychologists or psychiatrists talking to one of their clients and they say, it's not your fault. And the person says, I know it's not my fault, and da da whatever, and goes on, and then the psychiatrist says, it's not your fault. And the person goes on, and I know it's not my fault, and the person, the psychiatrist says, it's not your fault. And then it starts hitting home with that person, it's not their fault. And then they're able to peel back the hurt and get into healing, because it wasn't their fault that they were abused or used or hurt or whatever that is the the importance and that is the reason we repeat those songs so that they'll get in our spirit and they'll breathe life in our spirit so be healed with repetition <laughs> you know is what i'm trying to say um i was also thinking about when when i go through things oftentimes i'll compare myself to other people or i'll compare myself to different people in the situation and oftentimes it's not fair how someone acted and got away with it right and so I justify my actions based on them getting away with something or them not being called to the carpet for what they did that led me to be to be retaliatory and lash out at them um, Something my dad used to always say is every time I would complain about something, he would say, life isn't fair. And I hated that when he said that because I wanted him to sympathize with me and empathize with me and say, I know, I know when you were justified, you were, you know, it's okay, you were right in doing what you did because they treated you this way. But his response was always, life isn't fair. So when I was thinking about that, I, I thought about Mary and Martha and in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 41, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord replied, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was resting at his feet. And Martha was running around trying to take care of business and then complained because she wasn't getting help. How many times have we been the one running around trying to take care of business and then get jealous because someone is being restored and we're not feeling it? I think that we need to spend more time at Jesus' feet, regardless of what people say, regardless of how they judge us, regardless of how they treat us, whether it be in public or private or on the freeway or in the grocery store or whatever, we need to rest at Jesus' feet. So I'm going to just pray that we can spend some time this week at the feet of our Father, and that we can just rest. I know I need it. So let's pray.